Before we get started, let's have a little check-in, shall we? A paranormal state of the union. As of the moment I record this, Saturday, February 25th at 10.50 a.m., unidentified flying objects, or as they're now referred to in the news as unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs, have been recently sighted and reported flying over the United States, Canada, Russia, France, China, Moldova, and Ukraine, and I'm certain I'm missing a few others. UFO flaps, or periods of time when UFO reports amass at well above average rates, as defined by Vincente Juan Molester Alomos, author of the article UFO Flaps on academia.edu, have historically occurred prior to and during times of social and or political upheaval. According to history.com, in the last 75 years, high-ranking U.S. military and intelligence personnel have reported UAPs near sites associated with nuclear power, weaponry, and technology, from the early atomic bomb development and test sites to active nuclear naval fleets. All of the nuclear facilities, Los Alamos, Livermore, Sandia, Savannah River, all had dramatic incidents where these unknown craft appeared over the facilities and nobody knew where they were from or what they were doing there, says investigative journalist George Knapp, who studied the UAP nuclear connection for more than 30 years. Cool, cool, cool. Now, let's go down another skeletal branch of the craggly paranormal tree and talk about harbingers. A mananagal, a bat-like creature with the head of a pig and the body of a man that can, and I have no idea why it would ever need this ability, but it can separate its body at the torso. And then, does it come back for the torso after flying around? I don't know, but... One was recently seen perched on top of a house by two girls in the Philippines. You know what else was a humanoid figure with large bat-like wings? Mothman. Historically, these winged inhumanoids have been seen as harbingers of doom. So we've got UFO flaps, possibly brought on by increased nuclear tensions, and flying harbingers of doom appearing. As it turns out, not just in the Philippines, but right here in New England. Let's head out of the swells, back in time to a simpler way of life, a time of family togetherness, shared meals, and fresh air, a time of Zoom meetings, remote school, and sanitizing our groceries with disinfectant wipes, a time of hiding and naps and doom scrolling, a less complicated time when it seemed that there was only one thing trying to kill us. Here's out of the swells number 12, winged inhumanoids and their stocky henchmen. We never told anyone about this. We never thought we would. But with everything that's been happening, right, with the balloon, well, the balloon was a balloon, but then once they started shooting down those other objects and with March around the corner, yeah, we thought we should tell someone. Alani and Christian Martin are adorable. Two sides of the same coin, twin flames obviously dependent upon one another, but not in a toxic way, more in a way that feels cozy and safe, like a BBC mystery. They started dating in November of their freshman year of college at St. Anselm's in New Hampshire, moved to Boston together after graduation, 
They lived in separate apartments with friends at first, and then after two years moved into a two-bedroom together to keep up appearances for their parents, even though they shared one bedroom and weren't fooling anyone. Christian started as an analyst at a well-known financial services company, and Alani worked in a popular boutique hotel in hospitality services. He moved up in his company, she moved up in hers. They ditched the two-bedroom, got a studio in the South End to save money, and got engaged. They spent too damn much on the wedding and too little on the honeymoon. Christian moved to a different company with better upward mobility. Alani became a manager and was able to stop working weekends. Hop, skip, jump, and Alani became obsessed with Zillow and eventually focused in on the 02481 and 02482 area codes after a woman she admired in her 5 a.m. hot yoga class moved to Wellesley. At first, Christian was against the idea, but over time, Alani planted the seeds that appealed to his financial-slash-numbery brain, and he began to view moving to the suburbs and buying a home as the most logical, responsible, next step. In fact, if you thought about it, why would anyone consider anything else? They set a budget and got to open housing around town. It took about six months. Their offer, waiving the inspection contingency to stand out of the crowd, was accepted. And then there they were, in a three-bedroom Georgian that needed paint, a new hot water heater, attic insulation, and a bunch of furniture. Just so you know, they didn't just offer this information up. I dragged it out of them. I know we like a backstory. They are kind and pretty straight-laced. Again, adorable. I don't mean that in a demeaning or, like, snobby way. What you see is what you get with Christian and Alani. No airs. None of the stereotypical swells legal shittery. Just nice people who had something not so nice happen to them. Alani messaged me through the blog. She couched her request to meet with the fact that we had a mutual friend, someone who I actually hadn't been in touch with in years, but still, it's nice not to go into these things totally blind. They didn't want to meet anywhere in public for fear of being overheard, and I didn't want to go to their house, so we ended up meeting at mine. Now, I know I'm not really supposed to do that, but they weren't exactly strangers. And Chris basically works from home now, so I wasn't alone. Don't get me wrong, he wasn't psyched that I was having the Martins to our home to talk about the spooky thing that happened to them, but he holed up in the office to work and put on some background music to be sure he didn't overhear anything he didn't want to know. So shortly after I returned from dropping the kids off at school, the Martins arrived at the house in a rather tricked-out forest green Jeep Wrangler. All of a sudden, Wranglers are around every corner in town. It's like the new Land Rover. I had coffee and cabrata scones, currant, not blueberry, ready to go. It was an unseasonably warm February day, so I had some windows open too. I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but with all these dogs around, I'm always worried that the house smells. I lit a couple candles too, to be sure. And I made sure that said dogs were out in the yard when the Martins arrived. I welcomed the couple inside, and they assured me that they were dog people and insisted that I let Ivy, Bernie, and Wallace inside to meet them, so I happily complied. Once everyone had a chance to meet, the dogs settled on the couch, and we settled at the kitchen table with coffees. Christian, one scoop of sugar, Alani, creamer and sugar, me, vanilla-flavored soy creamer and trivia. We were up north, like Maine. Or Vermont, Christian added meaningfully. Right, or New Hampshire, Alani added quickly. Up that way. Christian gestured with his hand in a way that I took to mean northern New England. Far up, Alani stressed. I don't have to publish your story. I'm happy to just listen, 
I reassured them. No, no, Christian said quickly. We think it's important for other people to know, and maybe there might even be someone who experienced the same thing that can get in touch with you, and then... And then you can put them in touch with us, his wife finished. Exactly. We just don't want everyone to know who we are. I understand. And did I ever. The more these interviews make the rounds, the more aware I am of people feeling a little uncomfortable around me. Anonymity seemed dreamy. Thank you, Alani said before taking a bite of scone. We have one child, a little girl. Wait, no. Christian glanced at his wife for guidance. Maybe we should say we have a couple kids. Why? So no one can figure out it's us. Alani considered. But then we'd have to make up a whole story about the other kids or somehow insert them into what happened. No, it would feel like lying. You're right, he conceded. We'll call her Cora. Alani nodded in approval. How old is she? I asked. She's nine now, but when this thing happened to us, she was six, in kindergarten. Oh, shoot. Was it 2020? Yes, quick math, Christian said, impressed. No, I'm terrible at math, but I have a nine-year-old, and March 2020 was her kindergarten year, too. Oh, where is she at school? I told them. They were in a different neighborhood elementary, and we agreed that it would be nice to have the girls meet in middle school. Well... Christian continued. When everything locked down, we decided to get out of Dodge. Alani's job was on hold. I'm still in hospitality, she added. And I went full remote, said Christian. So we rented an Airbnb up, well, up north, a one-story house in the woods on a small lake. Came with everything, canoes, a rowboat, paddleboards. One of those beanbag toss games, added Alani. Cornhole, Christian and I said in unison. We all laughed awkwardly at that. The house was great. Exactly what you'd want for a lake house. I was shocked it was available, but the owners live in Weston. The wife's a pediatrician, so they couldn't leave town for quarantine. Uh, anyhow, the house. Three bedrooms, two-car garage. Views of the lake from two of those bedrooms. Huge great room with big windows overlooking the lake and a wooden deck with a short set of stairs down to a stone path to the dock. Alani nodded. It was on five acres. Whoa. I know. It was a big property and very secluded, which at the time, given everything that was going on, we thought was ideal. There were trails all over the place. We thought it would be perfect for a care, uh, Cora. Perfect place to ride out quarantine, I commented. It was at first, said Christian. Let me guess. The house was haunted? Oh, no. No, the house itself was fine. It was the property. And we think the lake, too. Really? Now I was excited. A lake monster? No, I mean, well, you're the expert, so maybe it was. But then there were those little gray ones. I don't know. We had the impression it was more extraterrestrial. Holy shit. What happened? Christian reached for another scone. It targeted Cora. We can't imagine what its intentions were, but we weren't going to stick around to find out. It was communicating with her. Ugh. How? Cora is afraid of the dark, explained Christian. She sleeps with the light on. If she wakes up in the middle of the night, 
she calls out for us. Before we went to that house, she would never get out of bed by herself in the middle of the night, ever. She'd be too afraid. It was one of the reasons that I agreed to rent the lake house, said Alani. I would have been too anxious to have her so close to the water otherwise. She can swim, but she was only five. We wouldn't have rented the house if we thought there was any risk of her wandering to the lake by herself, Christian confirmed. The house had an alarm system, and we set it every night, Alani added. For peace of mind, you know, just in case for some crazy reason she all of a sudden wasn't afraid of the dark and tried to go outside by herself, we knew the alarm would wake us up. Not to mention the fact that we were totally secluded and a little freaked out by all the nature, Christian joked. And then one night, after we'd been there for about a week, we woke up to Cora calling for us, Alani went on. We rushed into her room. It was right next to ours. She wanted one on the other side of the house with a view of the lake, but I didn't think it was a good idea, her being so far away from us. And when we got into her room, she was just lying there. Sound asleep, Christian added, eyebrows raised. We thought maybe it had been an animal, maybe coyotes or something else we weren't used to hearing outside, but that couldn't have been the case because we both specifically remember waking up to Cora yelling for us. Mom, Dad, help, Christian added. Exactly, Alani agreed. We both heard exactly that. Luckily, we didn't wake her up, so we thought she just called out in her sleep. And on the way back into our room, the alarm went off. Alani went back into Cora's room, and I went down to the control panel to shut it down. It was alerting for the window in Cora's room. I ran back upstairs to make sure it hadn't been opened, and I was shocked to see Cora was still sleeping. She slept right through the racket, Alani confirmed. We checked the window. It opened with a crank and it was locked as it should be. We assumed there was a glitch and went back to bed. Five minutes later, the alarm went off again. Alani went to Cora's room and I was halfway down the stairs headed for that alarm panel when I heard Alani yelling for me. Cora's window was open, she said, leaning forward. Cranked all the way open. She slept in our room for the rest of the time we were in that house. Christian nodded. I checked the ground outside her window the next morning, and it was all torn up like something had been digging. Not digging, more like scratching at the ground, pawing at it. I thought animals had been trying to dig something up and bumped into the window. I couldn't help it. I snickered a little. The couple broke into embarrassed smiles. Sorry, I offered. I'm sure I'd want it to be animals, too. The next few nights were uneventful. I mean, we were a little on edge, but not because of the house. It was like it felt like outside we just... It felt like we were being watched, Christian cut in. There weren't any curtains or shades on any of the windows, even the ones in the bedrooms, and it felt like you'd look out and see someone standing right there watching you, especially at night. But again, we are getting used to a very different environment. Here, our next-door neighbors are 10 feet away to either side. Having all that space and fresh air was great, especially with the whole COVID thing, but yeah... It wasn't ever the cozy woodland vibe we thought it would be. Alani took in a deep breath. And then Cora started sleepwalking. The first time she did it, we found her asleep on the kitchen floor in the morning. She didn't remember coming downstairs, and neither of us heard her. That frightened me, Christian admitted. I started to rethink her safety, being so close to the lake, but... We still thought the alarm system would be a line of defense if she tried to get outside. 
we had her set up on a love seat in our bedroom and we began locking the bedroom door at night and I put empty luggage in front of it so we'd be more likely to wake up if she were trying to get out in her sleep. But it didn't stop her and we didn't wake up, Alani cut in. She was quiet as a mouse sneaking out of that room and we found her in the same place every single damn time, sound asleep on the floor in front of those windows. We assumed the disruption to her schedule, transitioning to homeschooling, changing her environment, must have caused the sleepwalking, like some kind of a stress response. We had a Zoom call with her pediatrician, and she agreed. I mean, life was far from normal. The poor thing had just gotten used to her kindergarten routine, and then the world turned upside down. It made sense that something might go a little wonky. Christian cleared his throat. Long story short, with the sleepwalking, every couple of mornings, we'd find her in the kitchen, and then one night, I actually woke up and saw she wasn't on the couch. That's another thing, Alani cut in, putting her hand on his arm. We slept like the dead in that house, and the nightmares. She shivered. Maybe it was from all the stress we were under and being near that lake, but I had the worst dreams about flooding and huge waves. Tsunamis, I suggested. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you about Cora sleepwalking. It's okay. The night I went down to bring her back to bed, I found her in the kitchen, and as I assumed I would, but she was standing right up against the windows, overlooking the side yard, both hands on the glass. She was gently patting the window. I brought her upstairs and tucked her back in, and she didn't really seem to wake up. Next night, same thing happened. I woke up, went down, and found her in the same position, patting the glass. Christian put his hand flat on the table and gently patted it to demonstrate. I ran back upstairs and woke Alani so I could show her what Cora was doing. It was a pattern, Alani confirmed, the way she was tapping the glass. Now she tapped the table top with her fingers. Three, two, three, two, three. The couple stared at me, and I had a feeling they thought I knew the meaning behind the numbers. What does it mean? I asked. They exchanged a look. We think it's a date, Alani explained. We don't have a good reason for it. We just know it, Christian finished. 32323, I repeated, confused by numbers as usual. 32323. Oh, I said, realization dawning. What do you think's going to happen on March 23rd? Christian shrugged. And wait, what does this have to do with aliens? We don't know, Alani admitted. But we saw aliens, so we figured it was connected. I pressed my lips together. Okay, let's jump ahead to that. What the fuck did you see? We saw the little ones first, they... Hold on, you saw more than one kind of an alien? They nodded, wide-eyed, genuine. Go on. Cora saw them first when she was swimming, Alani explained. It was late in the day and we were killing time before dinner. That lake was frigid, but she didn't care. I was sitting at the edge of the dock and she just started diving down to pick up rocks from the bottom of the lake. I mean, it's not deep there, maybe four or five feet for reference. Anyway, she picked the rocks up and put them on the deck next to me. About four rocks in, she came up and pushed her goggles up and said, why are those boys under the dock? Oh God, I groaned. 
I don't need another reason to avoid the water. I know, right? Alani agreed. I pulled her right out of the water. She told me there were two boys standing beneath the dock watching her collect the rocks. Kids say weird things, but I freaking believed her, and we hustled right off that dock. By the time we were inside, I had an entire Dateline episode written in my mind. <laughs> True crime hive mind, I laughed. That was exactly what I was thinking. Dead bodies. Yep, Alani agreed. I put on her goggles and stuck my head over the edge of the dock to look, said Christian. I didn't really think I'd see anything, so when I did, he hesitated. I saw one of them. I tried to convince myself that it was a beaver or something, but it wasn't. I saw it walking on the lake bottom out into deeper water. Jesus Christ. Christian looked at his wife guiltily. I didn't tell Alani until we saw three of them in the woods. There was a path that snaked through the woods around the property. It started next to one side of the house, wound around, and popped you out on the other. It was the perfect length for Cora. We'd taken it a couple times. And that day, we went out for a quick loop before dinner. So, yeah, I think they came out at night. We met them on the path about three-quarters of the way around. Met them? They were walking in the opposite direction, coming towards us, Christian confirmed. I was up front with Cora behind me and Alani bringing up the rear. It took me a second to understand what I was seeing. I thought they were children at first, but when I got a good look at them, he shuddered. I turned and picked Cora up and told Alani to turn around and run. What did they look like? I asked. They were short, about four feet, maybe smaller. Bald with small, wide-set eyes. No ears, at least none that I could see. Their skin was gray-green, and they had narrow shoulders and a small upper body with thick, stocky legs. Oh, my God, I breathed. What did you do? We ran home, locked the doors, and set the alarm, Alani explained. Cora had seen them before. She said they were sometimes in the woods when we were out on the deck, that they lived in the water. That's where they kept their spaceship. Okay, so did you pack up and go home? Well, it was complicated at that point, said Christian. To offset the cost of renting the lake house, we rented out our home here to a guy from my office for a couple weeks. He and his wife had a small apartment in the city and they were going stir crazy with quarantine, so he asked if they could have our place for two weeks. We still had a week to go. Hotels exist, I chided. Alani laughed. Right, but remember that time. We were on lockdown. We didn't really see that as an option, but regardless, we only made it one more night. Christian nodded. I was on edge and couldn't sleep, obviously. I had to redirect Cora a couple times when she tried to sleepwalk out of the bedroom. She was talking in her sleep. Most of it was mumbling, but she did say those numbers. Three, two, three, two, three. And she said, <sighs> he blew out a breath before continuing. She said, water shall reap as in the days of Noah. Oh, no. We are not religious at all. There is no way she would have any idea what that meant or who Noah was, Alani insisted. 
And then the next morning, I was having coffee on the couch in that great room. Cora was beside me on her iPad, remote learning, the poor thing. And I don't know how to explain it, but things sort of went soft. I felt almost drugged. I stood up and went to those huge windows overlooking the lake, and there was something standing at the side of the dock staring at the house. Well, staring back at me, actually. At first, and I know this is impossible, but I thought it was a panther. But then it stood up on two legs. I realized it had just been crouched down. It had arms like a person, but its face was muzzled like a dog's, or I guess like a fox's. And its eyes were huge. I can't stress that enough. Its eyes were enormous. Flat black, not shiny. But its body was shiny. That's why I think I thought it was a panther at first. I thought it had fur, but standing up, I saw that it was more like scales. She took a breath, hesitating. And then it opened its wings. Oh, dear. Yeah, it was, geez, it was over six feet tall. And its wings, God, they must have been 10 or 12 feet, like tip to tip. No. I know, it sounds absolutely impossible. But it was there right in front of me. I believe you, I assured her. I heard its voice in my head. Three, two, three, two, three. I can't get those numbers out of my mind. I find myself scribbling them. They're just on a loop. March 23rd, 2023, Christian said quietly. That's soon, I pointed out needlessly. What the hell is supposed to happen? Alani leaned forward. We were hoping maybe you'd heard something. From who? Your ghosts, Christian explained. Or maybe some of the paranormal people you talk about on the blog, like Betty. Betty, his wife corrected. Sorry, but I haven't been hearing or seeing ghosts for a while now, I admitted. I think the reasons my abilities were, like, shut off is because it has something to do with what's coming. I don't think we're supposed to know. Shoot, muttered Christian. What about Biddy? pressed Alani. Well, she doesn't believe in aliens. What else could they be? Christian demanded. Fallen angels, I replied. Angels, laughed Alani. Why would they want to scare us like that? Not just angels, fallen angels, demons. Christian blew out a breath. <laughs> then we're fucked. We sat in silence for a long moment, each of us imagining how the coming nightmare would play out. Or at least, that's what I was thinking about anyway. So, what do you think they are? Alani asked, startling me out of my demonic daydream. I sighed. Absolutely nothing I've read, at least nothing credible that I've read, leads me to believe that aliens would bother attacking us, and they certainly wouldn't need to fight us if they did, so if they're doing anything, my guess is they're trying to warn us about something. But you interviewed people for your blog. We read about it. That woman who thinks they're trying to learn to exploit our fears, that house sitter who is dragged into the woods, right? They can't possibly be good, Christian pointed out. Yeah, but as time's gone on, I'm not so sure that woman Frankie was seeing aliens. I would lean more towards demons in her case. And as for Alan, the house sitter, maybe that was aliens, sure, but they didn't hurt him. You want to know what I really think? The couple nodded in unison. 
It's all true. What is? All of it. Demons, aliens, ghosts, obviously. Bigfoot, fairies, mermaids, all of it. It doesn't have to be one thing or the other. All things can be true. It can be everything. I think, and I know this sounds new agey, but I don't mean it in that way. It's just, I think dimensions are bleeding into one another. There's something Claire, that's the ghost I used to be able to hear, mention once in a while. The in-between. It sounded like a horrible place, but she would see things there. Freaky creatures, aliens even, other stuff. I think that's where the dimensions cross, and I think whatever barrier once kept us safe and separate has weakened significantly. It's all coming, all of it. I think there are things pushing their way through right now because we're on the brink of utter destruction in our dimension with all this shit we're pulling that's destroying our environment, and... Maybe what we do here negatively affects their world too. Everyone's spiritual is always saying that everything is connected, so why wouldn't we be connected to them too? Maybe some of them are here to warn us, like the aliens. Maybe some of them are here to wipe us out, like demons. Some of them are probably just watching the show, hoping someone finally stops it. Jesus Christ, that's bleak. They were looking at me as if they hadn't just told me they'd seen little gray men in the woods and a winged inhumanoid on the dock of their quarantine Airbnb. You guys aren't the first ones to mention water to me either, I went on, unable to stop my monologue now that I had someone who would listen to my theory. There's a sinkhole in my neighborhood and, well, I don't want to get into it, but there was talk of water there too. And I had this dream last year that I was on a boat in the ocean and came up to a part of the water that had been like cordoned off and in it there was a bald eagle struggling to break free from a bunch of octopus that were dragging it down. I mean, I'm not a dream interpretation person, but it felt symbolic. I took a sip of my cold coffee. Alani blinked. Christian furrowed his brow. What we saw, the little gray men, the guy with wings, he began. A winged inhumanoid, I said, it's a harbinger. Have you heard of Mothman? I watched the movie a few years ago, Alani admitted. Yeah, they show up before disaster. What should we do? Whispered Alani. Should we tell someone? Who would listen? Christian pointed out. Just then, Chris poked his head around the corner and caught my eye. Hey, I said, assuming he needed something in the kitchen. This is Christian and Alani. They greeted one another. We were just about to get out of your hair, Christian offered apologetically. No, take your time. I just wondered if you were outside in the backyard just now. I shook my head. Oh, Chris looked worried. I stood. What did you see? It was his turn to shake his head. I thought I saw someone walk by the window. Did you check the security camera feed? Not yet. What did it look like? Christian said gravely. Alani put her hand on his arm. I'm sorry, we should get going. Cool Jeep, Chris commented after they'd left. Should you burn one of those incense thingies? He asked, obviously trying to sound casual about it. Good idea, I replied, clearing the mugs from the table and dropping them in the sink. Help me get a few more windows open. I realized just how freaked out he was when he didn't move from the kitchen island. 
actually, why don't you clear off the counter so everything's all tidy good vibes and I'll get the windows. The poor guy had been on edge since we'd seen who we thought was Kate Dilvish in the tunnel, but wasn't. I grabbed my phone off the counter and headed for the back of the house. I was surprised to see I'd missed a bunch of texts, seven texts to be exact, from Judith. The most recent one read, Do you not check your phone? What if this had been from the kid's school? What's up? I typed back. Not three seconds after I'd sent the message, the phone buzzed. Are you ready for this? I sighed. Probably not. Claire is with me. What? You can hear her? How? Not only can I hear her, Judith laughed, I can see her creepy little self, too. How? I repeated. Who the hell knows? Are you seeing anyone? I slumped down on the couch. No, nothing. I'm going to text you a link right now. Do me a favor, do this meditation, and... No way, I said, my voice raising more than I'd intended. As much as I wanted my abilities back, ever since that banshee had tricked me into thinking it was Claire, I'd been hesitant to try anything to kickstart them. Who are you talking to? Chris asked, having followed me into the living room. It's just Judith, I said distractedly. Then seeing the concerned look on his face, I assured him, everything's fine. She says she can see Claire. How can she be sure it's her? He asked, sitting beside me. I shook my head. Is that Chris? Yes. And no, I'm not doing some meditation. Just tell me what's happening. It's harmless. How do you know it's Claire? I pressed. It's her, all right. How can you be so sure? Did you just get a text? I sighed, pulling the phone from my ear to put her on speaker so I could retrieve my messages. Did you send the link? Not me. Oh, no, I groaned. What is it? Chris insisted. I put a hand on his leg. It's okay. I had received a text, but it wasn't from Judith. Long time no see. Hoping you and your family are well. Are you in contact with our friend? We all just thought of her at the same moment. If you are in touch, let her know we are doing our best to keep out of her hair. Thank you. It was a text from Hillary, with Vanessa and Jill added to the chain. What did they say? Judith pressed. What did Claire do? Go ahead and do that meditation and she can tell you herself. have every intention to get back on track and put out a new episode every couple weeks, but I have a feeling that might extend to once every three weeks. I don't know. Sometimes it takes a little more time for things to bake. So if you're interested in keeping up with what's coming next in Ghosts of the Burbs, please follow me on Instagram at Ghosts in the Burbs. There I'll let you know about upcoming episodes, offer horror book recommendations, and make all sorts of announcements. Until next time, good night, sleep tight, and don't forget your nightlight.